You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. All right, we're gonna we're gonna continue on in our series through the book of Ruth this morning. Now, how many of you know which week this is? Three, week three of this series. And so far, I'm gonna give you a quick recap, but I do want to confess something to you this morning as your pastor. So I have found on Netflix an older show that I have started watching. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want you to like spoil it for me because some of you may have seen it. But I just started it a couple weeks ago and I'm like on season four already. Like it is bad. Um, it is, I'm watching episode after episode. And what I like to do is I just skip the recap. I skip the intro because I don't need that because I've been watching it every day for a long time. So what I, what I don't want to do here is I don't want to skip the recap for you because it's important that we understand the context of where we're coming from. We will be in Ruth chapter 2 this morning. But we, we started this story with a husband and a wife that they were dealing with some stuff. There was famine. That This guy was like, man, I need to protect and provide for my family. And we all say, man, that's awesome. That's what you're supposed to do. But he decides that they're moving to Moab. And the problem with that is God specifically said, don't move to Moab. And he does it anyway. Because we, we, all of us, we tend to let temporary circumstances dictate what we do in life. Instead of permanently trusting in the faithfulness and sovereignty of God, we allow temporary problems to, to really dictate the decisions that we make. So that's what happens. They go to Moab because this guy's like, man, I need to protect and provide. He dies. His sons die. So now we're left with Naomi, the wife and the mother, who has had three funerals within 10 years. She's lost her husband. She's lost two sons. Can't imagine the pain and the heartache. Now her sons did marry Moabite women. And we, we find those in chapter 1. One says, okay, I'm staying in Moab. You can go back home. And then we have Ruth who says, I'm not going anywhere. Your God is my God. Your people are my people. Where you go, I will go. So we see that Ruth has a conversion moment where she really understands what it means to be in relationship with God. And the most important question I will ask you this morning is, have you had that conversion experience in your life. Not that you've heard about God. Not that you grew up in church. Not that you go to church every Sunday. Not that you know worship songs. Not that you can raise your hands while you're singing. Have you had an experience, a moment in your life where you said no to yourself and yes to Jesus? Where you said, I know I'm a sinner and I need you to do for me what I could not do for myself. Have you had that moment in your life? And if you have, and I have good news for you today, that salvation could be yours in this place. Not because of anything I say, not because of anything this band sings, but because the Holy Spirit is moving amongst you. And, and I, would, I would lean in to that this morning. 
We saw last week that Ruth goes out into the field to glean, and gleaning was an actual legal thing that Boaz had this huge farm. He's a business owner, but the law said the, the outside of the field, you need to leave those so the marginalized could come and they could be fed. So basically what we see is everything that we have from God isn't just for us. That God has given us stuff that, so we could bless other people. And I don't want you to think that, that this was a handout because it wasn't a handout. No, it was a hand up. It was saying, hey, if you're willing to come and work, you can come and get the outside. We're leaving our margins for the marginalized. And man, there's some of you sitting in this room that you've been blessed and you have margin and you have abundance, but the generosity is missing. That you think that everything you have is for you. And the way that God works, he would say, hey, it's not for you. Like, I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing for others. Are you doing that? Are you being abundantly generous with the things that I've given you? And this morning, what I really want us to focus on, we talked about this uh, about a month ago, but I really want us to focus on a, what, it, what it looks like to be grateful in life. Not just to say thank you, not just to, to say, hey, well, man, I'm just so blessed. I'm so grateful for what God has done. No, man, so a lot of times those are just churchy, empty words. We don't do churchy, empty words here. We, we do like, how are you living it out? Are you putting it on display? Are you truly grateful for what you have? Are you living a life that says, God, I know and believe that you are sovereign in all things. So week one, we got to see that God is sovereign in our pain. Week two, last week, we got to see that God is sovereign in our perseverance. And then this morning, we're going to look at how God is sovereign even in our provision. That it's all because of Him. That we would have nothing without Him. In First Chronicles chapter 29, it says this in verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Whose is it? God's. It's not mine. It's not yours. It says yours, God. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand our power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And this is our response to God being over everything. He owns everything. He's in charge of everything. And this is what it should lead us to. Verse 13 says, And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Understanding the sovereignty of God should lead us to thanksgiving and praise. Understanding that everything that we have and everything that we don't have is a result of His sovereignty should lead us to an attitude of thankfulness, gratefulness, and praise. We need, in this country, in this, in this region, in this state, in this community, what we all need is an attitude adjustment. Right? Have, did your parents growing up ever tell you that you needed an attitude adjustment? I know some of y'all, y'all are like, nah, 
And y'all are cool. Y'all polish halos and all that. That's cool. My parents told me that a lot. Right? Like, I need an attitude adjustment. My wife still tells me that to this day. That I need an attitude adjustment. And spiritually, man, we need an attitude adjustment. Because what happens is we begin to think that we are in control of it all when we aren't in control of any of it. Do we really believe that He is sovereign or not? That's what this entire series is about, is His sovereignty. Last series, we talked about how God is above all things. That He goes before all things, He's in all things, and He is above all things. And it is His sovereignty that allows us to live in freedom. It is His sovereignty that allows us to take our next step. Because without His sovereignty, guess what? I would jack it all up. I would mess it up every single time. Even when I thought I was getting it right, it would all fall apart. Because I can't see the picture that He sees. Not only does He see the picture, not only did He paint the picture, He is the canvas in which the picture was drawn. He is everything. And we look at our sufferings and we look at our pain and we look at our setbacks and we think, man, how is God sovereign if He allows this to keep happening? And sometimes our sufferings and setbacks are just setups for God to display His sovereign glory. Sometimes the things that we go through, man, they're just setups for God to display how amazing He is. Some of you, you've already gone through unimaginable stuff in your life. And you didn't, maybe you, you didn't know if you were going to make it. Maybe you didn't know if you were going to live. Maybe you didn't know if a loved one was going to live. Maybe you went through a, a horrible relationship type situation. Maybe you were physically abused. You were emotionally, spiritually abused. Maybe you used to go to church somewhere and then you thought all these church people should treat you right and you found out that church people don't treat you right all the time and it pushed you away from God. And you think, well, how can this be? Why would God allow that to happen? And guess what? You're here this morning. Maybe your setback was God's setup to display how amazing and sovereign He is. And we can't even fathom the plans of the Almighty. All we can do is trust in His sovereignty. Ruth chapter 2, verse 14. We finished with this verse last week. It says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. We see that here's this girl who's from the wrong side of the tracks, right? She is from Moab. She is, she is from a people who don't care anything about God. She, she's from a place where they, they have prostitutes and worship, where there's tons of idols, where there's child sacrifice, and then she's going to, to a place where they're all about God, and she just shows up. Someone from the wrong side of the tracks. And what happens is sometimes God's sovereignty looks supernatural, and it is supernatural. We see that He, part, he parted the Red Sea. 
We see that he, he does supernatural things all the time. And then we see that he just takes ordinary practical things in life and he changes the entire world. We're going to see that this, this young girl who was a nobody from the wrong place, she gives her life to him and then through her, everything in history funnels down to this one person. And we will see that she is the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. So, so through this one ordinary girl from the wrong place, from a place where they care nothing about God, he, he uses her to reconcile everything back to himself. And can you imagine what God is doing with you and your life? God has a purpose and a plan for you. He is sovereign over all things. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I'm not that special. Guess what? Ruth wasn't that special either. But everything bottlenecked to this one person. Can you imagine if God is using you in this season of life to change the entire world? You're like, man, that's a little too much for me. I can't even change my family. Like, have you seen them? They are crazy. I feel like that every day. I'm just going to be honest. I feel like that every day. Like, what am I doing wrong? There's got to be, like, there's got to be something that I could do differently. My kids are crazy. But my wife still loves me. They still love me. I think. Man, I love them. And God somehow, in His sovereign plan, He's using me, He's using you to make a kingdom difference. And you may think you go to work and you run this machine, you go to work and you clean this, you go to work and you do this, you go to work and whatever it is for you, fill in the blank, and that's all you do. And I want you to know that that's not all you do. I want you to know that you're there because God has you there. You're there because in His sovereignty, He is using you to make a difference for the kingdom so that His glory would be put on display. We see in this verse that Boaz says, hey, come and eat. And don't just eat. I want you to get full. I want you to be satisfied. And then when you're satisfied, guess what? There's going to be leftovers. And this is a picture of how God pours His love and His grace on His children. John would say it this way in 1 John, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. He lavishes. When I think of the word lavish, I think about, I think about my kids taking a bath. Because lavish means to get, just to get it everywhere. Right? I can walk in my bathroom and there's water on the ceiling. I'm like, how did this even happen? How do you take a bath and get water on the ceiling? Like, I can understand some water on the floor. There's water on the walls. There's water, man, water everywhere. It's like a, a, big, a big dog just came in my bathroom and just shook to dry off. And that's what it looks like after my kids take a bath. And I don't get it. But that is just water lavished everywhere. And how much more does our Father in heaven lavish His great love and grace upon us? Have you ever stopped to consider that the Creator of the universe loves you with a love that never ends? 
He loves you with a love that is unconditional. He loves you because He loves you. Because He is love. And you were created in His image. He lavishes His love and His grace upon us. Verse 15 says, when she rose to glean, she's going to get more food. Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. So now she doesn't have to go to the outside. Now she's, she's in the family. She, she's on the inside now. He says, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. We see that Boaz is a generous man, that he realizes that he's been given all of this, not just for himself, but to bless other people. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epoch of barley. That's about 50 pounds. And she took it up and went into the city. So I want you to know, man, she's, she's not just a hard worker. She's strong. Like she's carrying 50 pounds into the city. She's walking with it. Some of y'all, y'all carry 50 pounds for 10 steps and y'all done. And I'm, I'm part of that y'all, right? Like 50 pounds is a lot. I want you to understand that the women in this room, man, y'all, I know y'all are tough. Y'all can carry that 50 pounds. I, I've seen some of y'all do it. I don't understand. I need to start working out more. Her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. Satisfied. So not she had her to-go box and the 50 pounds, basically, is what's happening. Not just the 50 pounds, but the to-go box from Boaz. And she gets there, and she's like, hey, this ain't all for me. Naomi, my mother-in-law, this is also for you. So we see that not only was Boaz a generous man, but Ruth was a generous woman, that she didn't just work for herself. That what God had blessed her with, she was also giving to other people. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. We see here that gratitude is contagious. If you remember last week, Naomi and Ruth, they get back to town and everybody's like, hey, is that Naomi? And Naomi's name means sweet, sweetheart. And they said, hey, is that you, sweetheart? And she's like, no, don't call me that. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Call me bitter because the Lord has dealt bitterly with us. And then we see here, because of generosity, because of the generosity of Boaz to Ruth, and then from Ruth to Naomi, we see that she says, Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Her attitude is beginning to change. Because gratitude is contagious. I know you hear all the time, show me your friends, right? And I'll show you what you will become. I'll show you what you'll do. All these different sayings. It is true. Who you surround yourself with matters. If you surround yourself with people who do nothing but complain, who are always negative, who are always grumbling, then you will eventually fall in to the complaining and to the negativity and to the grumbling. If you surround yourself with people who are grateful and understand the sovereignty of God, then it will also be contagious and you will also begin to understand the sovereignty 
of God and to become grateful, not just in word, but in action. Gratitude is contagious. I asked a question about a month ago. I said, are you entitled or are you grateful? And no one sitting here would say, I'm entitled. Nobody does that. Nobody. Everybody would say, I'm grateful. But man, there's a fine line and it's really, it's a, there's a continuum and we just go back and forth, back and forth between, man, are we entitled or are we grateful? We see that Ruth says, who am I that you would find favor on me? Who am I that I would receive your grace? And Boaz's answer is basically, who am I that God would bless me with all the stuff I have? Because I don't deserve all this. God has just blessed me with this, so I'm going to bless you with this. We see that the the gratefulness and the generosity is contagious. And the, the whole point of this is that even in our provision, God is sovereign. If Ruth would have got 10 pounds instead of 50 pounds, it would have been because of God's sovereignty. If she would have got 100 pounds instead of 50 pounds, It would have been because of God's sovereignty. That everything we have is because of Him. And again, some of you, maybe you're sitting there like, man, I work hard for what I have. That's great. God's sovereignty allows you to have the job, to go to the job, to work the hours that you work. It is because of Him. Man, we have to get to that place in our life spiritually where we realize that it is all about Him. That we have what we have because He has given it to us. Not all for us. Now He does want us to enjoy stuff. He does give us stuff so that we can enjoy. But man, what happens is we begin to elevate all the stuff, all the provision above who is in charge of all the stuff and all the provision. And speaking of provision, man, I went to Steak and Shake this weekend. First time I've been there in a long time. We went with a couple couple friends. We all order. They order milkshakes. I don't. My personal trainer would be very happy about that. I did not. However, the waitress comes back about five minutes later and says, hey, so we have an extra vanilla milkshake that you can have for free because I guess somebody didn't get it or something. Would you like it? And I'm like, man, this has got to be the provision of God right here. Like... Man, I'm preaching about that Sunday. Like, this has got to be, yes. Yes, I do want it. Um, So, yeah, I drank the uh, vanilla milkshake, and it was amazing. God's provision, man, although that's just a little tiny story, and I didn't need the vanilla milkshake, obviously. I didn't need that. But that's the way that God's provision and sovereignty works in our life. Is that when we're not even expecting it, God shows up. Sometimes we are expecting it and God shows up. Sometimes we're expecting it and God doesn't show up because He knows what we need way more than we know what we need. The sovereignty of God is something that it's hard to fathom, but it will change your life if you can get there. It will change your life if you can move from entitled, like I deserve this, to who am I that you would send Jesus on a rescue mission for me? Who am I that you would provide me with a job that that pays all my bills? 
Who am I that you will provide me with a, with a car that runs where I can go to work? Who am I that you would provide me with, with this business? Who am I that you would, all this stuff, who am I that you would lavish your love and your grace upon me? Because we're not worthy of it at all. We are sinful, messed up, dirty people. And God said, yeah, I like that. I'm sending Jesus for you. Nobody else would pick us. You say, well, my spouse picked me. No, they didn't. They didn't pick you. God just said, hey, here we go. Here you go. It's his sovereignty. You think Ashley picked me? Heck no, that didn't happen, man. She didn't pick me. The Holy Spirit got in there and started doing some stuff, and I'm like, thank you for your sovereignty. Like, there ain't no way. And she's got to stay around because I need her and God knew that. Man, it's all about Him. You can think back and say, well, this just happened to, to happen. It's like, no, man, it didn't just happen to happen. God's sovereignty is at work. Scripture actually says that Ruth happened to show up at the field of Boaz. She didn't just happen to show up at that field, because she showed up there, and because the sovereignty of God, Jesus, years and years and years and years later, is born because of her relationship that she's going to get in. It's all part of God's design. And some of you need to know to, listen, stop trying to control it. Some of you need to hear that this morning, that stop trying. You, you can't do it. Why, why don't you trust in the sovereignty of God? Stop trying to fix it yourself. Stop trying to order all these steps yourself. Yeah, you got to do your part, but you got to trust Him with the plan. And we planted this church three and a half years ago back in 2020. And man, we, we love the, the faithfulness of God. God's done some amazing stuff. It's been provision after provision after provision, and we always give Him honor. We always give Him glory. We always give Him credit because it is Him. We would not have seen the life change that we've seen without Him working. But guess what? The provision's not over. Like He's not done with Impact Church. He's not done with... We're not going to be in this school forever. He's got bigger and better plans for us. He's, he's working things out in His sovereignty. And you know what the hardest part for me is? It's like, hey God, why don't you give me a glimpse of the plan? Why don't you let me see where this land's going to be that we're going to buy? Why don't you let me see the building that you're going to give us? And He says, hey, why don't you just trust in my sovereignty that is going to happen? Why don't you just trust that I'm working things out? And we're going to do our part. We're going, to, we're going to keep moving and we're going to keep pushing and we're going to keep doing what He tells us to do. But ultimately, we're trusting in the provision of God just like we have since 2020. It's never going to change. When we start, when we start trusting in me, man, we lost at that point. If we start trusting in the staff of Impact Church, 
as the sovereign hands of this mission, we've lost. Yeah, he, he's put us in place to do what we do, and he's put you in place to play your part as well. But he is the one leading. He is the one directing. He is the one guiding. It, it is his plan. We're going to close with, with this. The book of Philippians chapter 2. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is, this is what Paul is saying, is Jesus, who, who is God, who had every right to say, I am, I am him, humbled himself. Humility, he humbled himself even to the point of death. Jesus himself would say, hey, I, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve you. He humbled himself even to the point of death. And you, and you say, well, how can I have a, an attitude of gratitude? How can I be thankful? And it's with humility and service. We humble ourselves realizing that, that we are nothing without Him. We ask the question, who am I that you would lavish your love upon me? Some of you in this room, man, maybe you're thinking that you're a pretty good person, and that's awesome. I hope you are a pretty good person. I just know Scripture says none of us are pretty good people. That we're all sinners in need of a Savior. That we're all messed up. That we're all, we're all out of line with the will of God, and the will of God is for us to be perfect and holy and blameless. And apart from Jesus, we are none of those things. That we can't do for us what needs to be done. So Jesus came on a rescue mission to do that for us. And then verse 9 says, therefore. And maybe you're new to Bible study, but therefore points you back to what was just said. So because Jesus humbled himself, because Jesus served other people, because Jesus went to the cross, it says, therefore, because of all that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So because he was humble, because he served, he was exalted by his Father. And we see in the Gospels that if we want to be great, then we have to become the least. That, that's, that's what it looks like to be great, that we humble ourselves and that we serve other people. You want to be great for the kingdom? Then you need to, you need to put on humility and service. And God will exalt you to make a kingdom difference. Verse 12 says, Therefore, so because he was exalted, because his name is above every name, says, therefore, because of that, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out 
your own salvation with fear and trembling. This doesn't say work for your salvation. This says work out your salvation. Salvation is a free gift. He's saying, hey, work it out. Humble yourselves. Understand that it's not because of you. Work this out. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then verse 14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Verse 15, this is the last verse, so that, this is why you do that, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The NIV says shine as bright as stars in a world that is crooked and twisted, in a generation that cares nothing about God. If we can humble ourselves and we can have an attitude adjustment where we realize it's all about Him and we can do all things without grumbling, without complaining, without gossiping, without all this stuff that we're so good at doing, he says, you know why you do that? So that you can shine like lights in this world in a generation that is twisted and crooked and cares nothing about God. Do you want to make a kingdom difference? If I pulled every single person in this room and said, hey, do you want to be a light for Jesus? You would say yes. So how do you do that? You humble yourself to the point of understanding it's not about you. You realize that everything that you have is because of Him. Yeah, you worked hard, and that's great, man. I, I, I'm trying to teach my kids to work hard. Like, I get it. I'm a hard worker. Just don't, don't ask my wife. But I am, legit. I'm a hard worker. And I learned that work ethic from my parents. And I'm passing that work ethic down. But even in my work ethic, it's because of His sovereignty that I can even do that at all. Like it all points back to Him. It all points back to Him. Do you want to be a light? Do you want to be a, a, a shining star in a generation that is twisted and crooked. Today you can make that decision. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.